Hello, uh, welcome to another episode of Not Nilla Military History Podcast. Uh, with me today again is Liam. How goes it, Liam? Doing well, Jacob. How are you doing? I'm doing good, man. I'm ready to uh, talk about some very creative ways in which people use elephants to kill each other. Yeah, I've, I've heard stories about how elephants were like the tanks of the olden day, and I'm interested to see how how really that happened and what kind of atrocities they went through as well. <laughs> Yes, yes, it's uh, it's it's really, really just a crazy story. So, uh, for anyone that is not familiar, uh, so this is the second uh, episode in this series we're doing on the history of war elephants. Last uh, episode, we talked about the origins of war elephants. We talked about how they were used by certain armies, particularly by Alexander the, or how they were Alexander the Great encountered them and in battle against uh, King Porus in India. So we're gonna go ahead and pick up uh, right around where um, we left off with the death of Alexander the Great. So, uh, right after Alexander the Great died, his empire got divided up amongst his generals. Uh, they were mainly Ptolemy, Perdiccas, Lysimachus, and Seleucus. So, now all these generals were with Alexander at the Battle of the Daspes, where Alexander encountered war elephants for the first time. And then they all recognized the power of elephants in warfare. So, a sort of like elephant arms race began, which the generals started gathering up as many of the elephants as they could uh, for their use in the armies. So uh, this is going to go ahead and what's going to be kind of the catalyst for the successor wars. Uh, So uh, Perdiccas controlled Babylon and its elephants, while Ptolemy acquired Egypt and started to capture African elephants for use in warfare. And when I refer to African elephants, I'm referring specifically to African forest elephants. They're smaller uh, species of uh, African elephants. So you have the African savanna elephants, which is the largest species of elephants. You have the African forest elephant, which is smaller, the... Um, the Samael elf- elephants, you know, top at about usually like 11 to 12 feet tall, whereas forest elephants are more like, you know, 9 to 10 feet tall, sometimes 9 to 11 feet. Uh, the reason that uh, African Samael sav- elephants were never really, um, what do you call it, domesticated uh, for a really long time because they just like the, the temperament wasn't really, condu- their temperament wasn't really conducive to domestication. So they never, ne- never really used in warfare the way that Asian elephants or African forest elephants were. So if you hear me saying African elephants from now on, I'm referring specifically to African forest elephants. So uh, now, interestingly enough, the, the way that the successor wars really began was actually with a body snatching attempt. So what? yes, yes, a, a real yes, a real body snatching attempt. So Macedonian tradition had it that a king should bury his predecessor, and this would give them legitimacy. You know, say like you know you claim throne because you buried the past king. So Alexander the Great's funeral convoy was on its way to Babylon, and Perdiccas set out to capture uh, Alexander's funeral convoy and bury him in Macedon, so then he could claim to be his true successor. Uh, however, Ptolemy paid information to learn the exact route of Alexander's convoy, so he snatched the body and sent it to Memphis, Egypt instead. So, yeah. So literally, they're fighting over a body so that they could have some legitimacy to the throne. Pretty much, yeah. So Ptolemy just outbody snatched Perdiccas, and then so he has the immediate advantage. Uh, so now Perdiccas gathered his army in response. Um, his army had forty war elephants along with it, and invaded Egypt. So uh, this this invasion would not go all that well. And we're going to go into that why that was. So uh, he left at the time he left his management of uh, Babylon to his subordinate Seleucus, who would become a major player in the battles to come. So in May 321 BCE, Perdiccas attacked Ptolemy at the fortress of the Nile called Castellum Camelorum, or Fort Camel. I'm guessing the guy who was like charged to name the forts was out sick that day or something. Yeah, it came down to one lieutenant who was like, uh, I don't know, there's four camels here, so... <laughs> just, just, like the, 
the nearest thing that he can see. Just like, yeah, Damn he's like, all right, you can't name it Fort Sand. There's, Fort Sand. Uh, what, what, the, every fort would be Fort Sand. So, oh, uh, man. yeah, those guys. Yeah, we're, we're, them. Campbell, fine. I, I mean, Anakin Skywalker would really hate that fort if it was called Fort Sand. But, oh, man, he'd be so pissed. Right. It's his biggest nemesis other than, than being burned alive in a volcano. But, uh, so, <laughs> the elephants and the infantry led the assault on Fort Camel, and the elephants were tasked with ripping out the palisades using their trunks. So this is kind of neat because it's like elephants essentially as a combat engineer. So they would basically, for every, all these forts, they would have these sharpened stakes that would just like stick in the ground and stick in mounds to keep soldiers from like climbing them. So elephants would go up to the stakes and they would use their weight and the strength of the trunks to go ahead and grip the stakes with their trunks and then rip them out and then like clear a path for the infantry following behind them. So they were so, kind of like early minesweepers? In a way, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, almost, yeah. Like, you I mean, like, it's essentially, like, a palisade is kind of a, a primitive form of mine. I mean, you know, it's like you're sticking the stand, and, you know, it's supposed to, you know, the idea behind it, you know, just like with mines, it's supposed to funnel people into a certain area. You want to you put the palisades where you don't want people to go. Yeah, exactly. And then you, yeah, and then so you, you try to funnel them into certain areas. So huh. uh, Ptolemy followed Alexander's lead at Thespes and ordered his men to aim for the eyes of the elephants as well as their mahouts. So he and his men disabled the leading elephants with a javelin to the eye, which sent the rest into a panic retreat, forcing Perdiccas to withdraw. So this is one of the, the principal issues with employing elephants in any type of warfare, is that they're very empathetic creatures, and they're very sensitive to other elephants being hurt around them. And especially if the lead elephant is hurt, then they're more likely to panic and run away too. So Yeah, so these are these are tanks with like that can be like traumatized and like given PTSD essentially. Yes, yes. In fact, yeah, scientists nowadays do believe that elephants actually do carry a form of PTSD with them. Similar, and they like if if uh, like if a group of elephants has like suffered from like poachers, or if there's been a bunch of them killed, or if the, the matriarch particular has been killed, uh, they've been known to grieve and been known to exhibit uh, symptoms of PTSD that are you know similar to ones that humans exhibit. So uh, it's basically like what if tanks had feelings? Basically, yeah, that. That doesn't really feel like a great idea for a tank. Hey, your your tank got sad and doesn't want to fight anymore, so uh, your entire army is defenseless. <laughs> Pixar's next movie, What If Tanks Had Feelings? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to blow up the Germans. I just want to I dance, I don't want okay? to be sent to the Middle East. I just want to be myself. You're going to shoot plutonium rounds at the, at the Arabs, and you're going to like it, son. But, uh... <laughs> oh, God. Uh, so, um, how... So what this ended up, so after Perdiccas withdrawed, he continued going down the Nile towards Memphis uh, and Alexander's body. However, he was on the wrong side of the river and there was little wood to build rafts. So Perdiccas essentially created, what he did was he created a line of elephants and horses across the river, which then slowed the current it gave any soldiers swept away something to grab onto. Uh, however, what ended up happening was that all this activity stirred up the river bottom and caused it to deepen. So I'm going to read a quote uh, from the historian Kincaid, who's a, also a biographer, uh, went ahead and wrote about the situation. So, quote, This to his descend all but the strongest swimmers to certain death. Others threw away their arms and armor and tried to swim, but the toe sucked many of them below the surface. Their corpses were carried downstream and drew the spot quantities of crocodiles, possibly sacred animals fed daily by the Egyptians, and these attacked the swimming soldiers. For the eyes of their panic-stricken comrades, the horrible beasts pulled down man after man. No less than 2,000 perished in the crossing. A few 1,000 were the prey of the crocodiles. That so, honestly sounds like one of the worst experiences known to mankind. Just, hey, go cross this river for us. You can't, there's no bridge. Uh, 
really, we don't recommend swimming because you need your arms and armor. So what we're going to do, we have an, a chain of elephants. We are hoping they can stay afloat enough for you to walk across or drag yourself along them. But if something goes wrong, not only could you potentially drown uh, or be swept away and like run into debris that's in the river or, or drown that way, um, but there will be hundreds of crocodiles waiting for you if you survive. Uh, yeah, there is there's, there is very little way that you're making it out of this if you you know lose your footing and are swept down the river. There's almost no chance you're going to survive no, that. No way you survive that at all. Yeah. So uh, after the feat at Fort Campbell, plus the now debacle, Perdiccas' officers lost all faith in him and stabbed him in his tent. Did they oh. make peace? <laughs> yes. And this is something that's going to happen uh, several other times over the course of the successive wars. So anytime the troops get pissed off at the commander, they're like, you know, we should probably just betray him. Like, you know, just like, fuck this guy. But, right. Uh, so uh, betrayal number one. Yes, betrayal number one. Uh, they then made peace with Ptolemy, surrendered their elephants, and marched back to Babylon. Uh, in the aftermath, uh, Antipater and Antigonus took over Perdiccas' domain and immediately sent up to war with Eumenes in Greece. So Antipater is another general, and he left Seleucus in charge of Babylon and took half of his army, including 70 war elephants, with him to Greece. So, and Antigonus is a great name. Uh, he has Antigonus the One-Eyed, because they love to just, in, in, in ancient times, they love to zero in on any kind of injury you had and just be like, that is your defining feature. Like, Ivar the Boneless, Antigonus the One-Eyed, like, there you go. You there, sir, do you have a, a horrifying injury that you somehow managed to survive? That will now be your nickname for life. <laughs> Pretty I much. I hope you enjoy being Lothgar the Left-Handed. Yes. <laughs> the, uh, uh, you know, Eumenes, the one with the broken nose, like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the broken nose, but, uh, so, uh, let's see. So, Antigonus the One-Eyed faced two armies against him, one commanded by Eumenes, the other commanded by Perdiccas' brother, Alcides. He then split up his army, facing Eumenes with 30 elephants, while the rest of his army shadowed Alcides. Antigonus uh, then used deception tactics to make Eumenes think that he had a much larger army than he actually did. You know, like moving soldiers around, you know, making lots of noise, lighting a ton of fires, very classic stuff, uh, still in use today. Uh, causing most of Eumenes' soldiers to defect, while Eumenes and a few loyal followers fled eastward. So uh, Antigonus then left some men to pursue Eumenes and led a swift, grueling, 300-mile, week-long march to confront Alcides. So during this march, he averaged 45 miles per day, and the pace of the march was so brutal that he killed five of the elephants in the process. Jesus Christ. Yeah. And elephants, I mean, they take a, you know, they're they're very, they're scarce resources. I mean, like, if you can't, you're not going to get any in Greece, so if you're getting any wet, any and it's going to be either from Egypt or it's going to be from India, which is going to take a long time, not to mention the time to train them. Yeah, so, you can't build elephants like you can build more tanks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, they take a long, long time to you know foster and train in order to be effective. So this just shows you just how desperate he was to get to him. So uh, Antigonus then managed to surprise Alcides, who charged the cavalry at Antigonus' lines to give the infantry more time to form their lines. Uh, Antigonus then cut off Alcides' own cavalry charge with his own uh, own cavalry charge of his own, and then sent his elephants charging down the ridge. Alcides then surrendered his army and killed himself. So, oh, okay. Uh, yep. I, I hate I hate to be morbid. So if he kills himself, would that technically be a betrayal of one's mind over the body? <laughs> We're getting really philosophical here on on this episode. I appreciate it, and yes, I, I, I tend to agree. This is betrayal number two of himself. Betrayal so, number uh, two. Yes. 
don't 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 trust anyone, not even yourself. It's like he's just holding. Yeah, it's a, it's the meme. Yeah, it's the meme where he's like holding a gladius to like the back of his neck. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I guess it would be a compass since they're Greek. But anyways, so um, meanwhile, Eumenes was hiding out and recruiting allies and former soldiers of Alexander's, such as the Silver Shields. And the Silver Shields are like Alexander's elite pikemen troops. Uh, you know, they were like you know a band of brothers. They fought together for a real long time. Most of these guys are also like in their 50s and 60s, which is kind of amazing that they've been able to survive battle at this time, you know, when like, you know, your age, especially in ancient times when like your average person, someone died was like 40 or 50 years old and they're fighting all the time. So these guys are, you know, pretty badass. Uh, He then also bought 125 elephants from Eudemos, who previously killed King Porus and captured his elephants as well. So right now, Eumenes has the elephant advantage with 125 of them. So uh, in late summer, 317 BCE, Antigonus at last caught up with Eumenes at Peretesene. There's going to be a lot of Greek names in here that I'm probably going to horribly pronounce. So sorry, Greek listeners. <laughs> on, uh, so Peretesene on the border between Media and Persia. So Antigonus had 38,000 infantry, um, 8,500 cavalry, and 65 elephants. Eumenes had 35,000 infantry, uh, 6,100 cavalry, and 125 elephants. Now, this is also the, it's neat because this is the very first battle in the Western world where both sides used elephants against each other. So, um, we're going to talk about the little, the breakup of the armies, how they were arranged. So, Eumenes arranged his army with 45 elephants on his left flank, along with 130 Persian missile troops between each elephant. He also had 40 elephants in the center and front, and 40 elephants on the right. His strategy was to use the elephants as screens against Antigonus' cavalry. Now, we talked about the last episode. Uh, horses really do not like elephants. And they don't like the way they sound, the way they smell, how big and intimidating they are. So if you don't have horses that have been trained amongst elephants, and then they're, and then they're arrayed against enemy elephants in battle, odds are the horses are going to flee. So um, Antigonus put 30 elephants on his right, uh, 25 in front, and a handful on his left to oppose Eumenes. Antigonus then ordered his right wing under the command of his son, Python, uh, and then ordered him to hold firm. However, Python was a bad son and ignored his father's order and changed ahead, or, I'm sorry, charged ahead anyways. Initially, he did a good job damaging Eumenes' flank, but then Eumenes sent in cavalry reinforcements and Python fled. Uh, now, however, Eumenes', flank, Eumenes left flank was already weakened, so Antigonus charged into a gap between Eumenes' infantry and cavalry, which caused Eumenes' left flank to fully go into retreat. So, um, now the <laughs> only thing... What's up? Uh, sorry, I sneezed. <laughs> uh, no worries. So, uh, how dare you sneeze? But, uh, so, uh, Eumenes' silver shields stood strong, though, and held off the rest of Antigonus' army. So, they basically saved Antigonus' army in this instance. Uh, the, the battle was ultimately a draw, and both sides withdrew to winter quarters. So awesome. now we're going to. So that recruitment really just saved them. If they had not gotten those allies, that would have doomed the army. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. You may Silver Shield save his ass. So uh, we're going to fast forward ahead to December 317 BCE. So at this time, Eumenes broke up his army into six attachments to forage for food. Antigonus then saw this as an opportunity to ambush Eumenes' soldiers, so he led his army on a nine day hike across the Iranian desert to surprise Eumenes. Eumenes' scouts uh, managed to spot his fires, though, and uh, fires his army, and reported that Antigonus was only four days away. So Eumenes then sent a force of cavalry to light campfires near Antigonus' army at night to deceive him into thinking Antigonus faced a much larger force. And uh, now this ruse didn't end up buying Eumenes a few days' time. 
Uh, as Yumei's elephant division was exposed, though, Antigonus sent his cavalry to capture the elephants. The elephants and their mahouts fought bravely, but were nearly captured, and uh, had Yumei's not sent a relief force that chased off the cavalry, uh, they would have all been captured. So uh, mm. many mahouts and, uh, were end up being wounded or killed during this battle, and the elephants were traumatized by the events, and they thus they fought very poorly in the upcoming battle. So they do really carry the weight of like previous actions really on on their on their consciences or, yeah, they, they no. got messed up one time and now they're like i if we go into battle we could really get messed up again i, I we don't want to do that hell no yeah yeah i mean you could blame them you know but uh smart, smart animal, elephants oh very smart animals absolutely but uh so once more antigonus and humans would face each other on the plains at Gabeen. So this battle uh, saw the very first Western recorded use of towers, also known as howdos, on tops of elephants. So the layouts of the armies at Gabing were nearly identical as they were in the previous battle. So there's elephants along the front lines, light troops between them, cavalry and infantry following behind. So you, again, using the elephants as a screening force as well to kind of chase off any potential cavalry encounters. So Numenia um, sent the weaker elephants in his cavalry on his right flank and instructed them to avoid battle. This is because the elephants were either injured uh, from the previous engagement or had new mahouts, and it takes a long time to build a level of trust between elephants and their new mahouts. So Eumenes knew that they weren't going to be very useful for any sort of fencing action. So he basically wanted them to just guard the wings and just of the army and just to stay put otherwise. So uh, as both of the Asides elephants charged forward, Antigonus sent his cavalry around Eumenes' rear and managed to capture his camp. So in order to kill Antigonus and end the war, Eumenes changed the order of his left wing. So Eumenes' elephants outnumbered Antigonus' elephants 3 to 1 on the left. So it has elephants go in uh, for a diagonal uh, formation to to avoid being flanked, and then a fierce uh, battle erupted between the elephants. So now the way the elephants fight each other is that they'll like push their heads against each other and then just like try and like use their trunks to sort of like wrestle each other. And then eventually one will get tired or lose hearts and they'll decide to flee. And the victor ends up goring the loser in the stomach or the rear with his tusks, either seriously injured. Yeah. Either seriously injuring or killing the, uh, the loser. So pretty, pretty intense stuff. Yeah. Life or life or death. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, Eumenes lead elephant during this battle was killed, which caused the rest to panic and flee. Uh, once again, though, Eumenes veteran infantry routed Antigonus and there was another indecisive battle. So, Indecisive battle number two. So, but yet, yet we, again, though, we, we like those draws. Nobody wins, <laughs> nobody loses. Again yeah, and right. again, the the the, the, the participation the participation trophy of battles. But uh, so, uh, unbeknownst to you, Menes Antigonus had captured the families of the soldiers and their property in the camp, and agreed to ransom them uh, for you, Menes. So, uh, the betrayal number two. So, uh, the silver shields, or I guess betrayal number three. So number the. Three? So, Yes, the, uh, the Silver Shields ended up agreeing to this, and Eumenes called them cowards, saying, quote, you deliver up your general to protect your stuff. Uh, this only enraged the veterans, though, and Antigonus had to send a squadron of elephants and cavalry to protect Eumenes from his own men. <laughs> so, Jesus. Yeah, so they're like, they're so pissed off about this, they're ready to just fucking kill him there, all right? And Antigonus is like, no, guys, like, I need him alive, all right? Like, I want him alive. That was the deal. If you kill him, we don't have a deal. <laughs> it's just, it's just crazy. Uh, so Eumenes was later strangled by Antigonus, and the commander of the Silver Shields was also thrown into a pit and then burned alive. So, yeah, there. Yeah, so it's, yeah, there it's you not, go. 
it's, it's not going too great. So, but, and then uh, for them anyways. So uh, Antigonus took Eumenes' army and elephants and uh, Polish to invade Europe with an invigorated large army and 150 elephants. Now, meanwhile, in 319 BCE, Antipater, the king of Greece, died and left his kingdom to his son Cassander, who was currently living in Babylon. So while Cassander was in Babylon, an old general named uh, Polypershon took over Greece and Antipater's elephants. So this split the Greek city-states between uh, cities, states who supported Cassander, and those that supported Polypersia. So, you know, like Greek civil war is about to erupt up or erupt, you know, like, uh, which is, <laughs> you know, that never happens before, right? Never, never once has, has there ever been a Greek civil war of any kind. No, yeah. It's been a peaceful place, a peaceful country. Famously peaceful land of Greece where nothing bad ever happens. Yes. Just don't ask them about their economy. <laughs> yes. Or the, all the Peloponnesian wars or anything like that. Yes. But, uh, so. At 318 BCE, Polypersian, uh, Polypersian, that's a weird name to say, uh, moved on the city of Megalopolis and accompanied by 65 elephants. So a man named Damis, who is a veteran of Alexander's army, commanded the besieged city of Damis. He defended the walls by digging moats and launching projectiles with catapults, while Polypersian dug mines under the tunnels. And then uh, one night, uh, you know, a very large section of the wall collapsed above the tunnels due to the mines. So they're kind of mining, you know, like digging tunnels under the walls. And then like they would oftentimes light fires to try to like collapse portions of the walls. So uh, now Dominus knew the nature of elephants. So he ordered his men to clear a path for them to rush into the city. So what he ended up doing was he dug shallow trenches and studded them with spikes. So that when the elephants rushed forward, they stepped on the spikes and wounded themselves. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, yeah. Unable to move forward to go back, the elephants were cut down the missile fire from the flanks. And then any wounded elephants that managed to get free from the trenches fled in the opposite direction, then trampling Polypersian's infantry. So this is like... Jesus Christ, yeah. So, yeah, you can do a fuck ton of... If you know how elephants operate, you can do a fuck ton of damage against them if you really prepare. So yeah, this, this is... Like, somebody has invented tanks and... Somebody has figured out, oh, if we put an explosive underneath where there's no armor, you can blow up the tank. <laughs> yep, pretty much, exactly. So uh, this is also the very earliest known use of caltrops against elephants as well. So like stud spikes they throw on the ground, you know, using against horses previously, and now they're being used against elephants. So uh, Megalopolis was a, a massive defeat for Poly, uh, Persian, and the next spring of 317 BCE, Cassander defeated Polypersian again and captured all of his elephants. Uh, then Cassander then built boats specifically for elephants and then took them across the Aegean Sea with his army. And then this also may have been the very first time a Westerner designed elephant-specific watercraft to brave the ocean as well. There aren't any records of them like using any sort of like craft to ferry elephants across like the sea previous to this. So yeah, this is this is the first written down example of somebody being like, we need. We need to bring these elephants to war across the sea, but we're not walking them around. It's <laughs> not a big boat. Let's put a giant ass boat. So that, uh, so as Cassander pressed against him, Poly- uh, Persian reached out to Olympias, the mother of Alexander, for help. So she, Olympias, Alexander's old mom, is actually still alive during this time. And then so Olympias then raised an army in Greece and acted to ensure that her own grandson, Alexander IV, had no rivals. So she then killed Philip III, Alexander's brother, along with Cassander's brother and 100 other nobles. So she basically just pulls a red wedding and just kills everyone who's possibly a threat to her own son, Alexander IV. 
So do uh, you think it's going to go down very well, Liam? Uh, no, I, I feel like people might get a little mad about that. Yeah, yeah, you you would be right. So uh, so then Cassander then rushed north to take on Olympias. Uh, Olympias took refuge in the fortified city of Pydna, and during the brutal siege, most of her elephants died of starvation. Uh, so she, yeah, yeah. So she herself was executed after the city surrendered. So that is the end of Alexander's old mommy. So uh, Alexander, what's up? Rip, rest in peace. Yep, rip, rest in peace. So uh, Alexander, I'm sorry, uh, Cassander took over the rest of Greece, but soon confronted Antigonus the one-eyed as well. So Antigonus was the most powerful of the successors by far, holding the richest provinces in the Middle East, the largest army, and 170 war elephants to boot. So Antigonus feared the popularity of Seleucus in Babylon, who, you know, was still around, so he planned to execute him. Uh, Seleucus, you know, realized this and ended up fleeing, and joined an alliance against Antigonus that included Ptolemy, Cassander, and uh, Lysimachus of Thrace. So they're all allied against Antigonus. You've got Ptolemy, Cassander, and Lysimachus. So uh, in 312 BCE, Demetrius, uh, who's another general, engaged Ptolemy and Seleucus at Gaza. So Demetrius bought 43 elephants, but Ptolemy engaged him with new anti-elephant tactics uh, because he wanted to actually capture rather than kill the elephants. So he instructed his missile troops to aim for their mahounts and set a spiked chain on his right flank as a trap. So when the Battle of Gaza played out, Demetrius' elephants ran right into the trap, and uh, many of them ended up fleeing, which then triggered a massive rout with the rest of Demetrius' army, as well as the cavalry and infantry. So uh, Ptolemy then ended up killing the elephants and mahouts, and then captured most of them. So uh, all all 43 of Demetrius' elephants were captured by Ptolemy during this battle. So... uh, it was uh, so. This is also the last major battle. This, this, the uh, successive wars ended up involving war. Elf, elf, I'm sorry, actually. So uh, now we're going to talk about the Battle of Ipsus, which was the last major ba- battle of the successive wars that involved uh, war elephants. So it was Seleucus and Lysimachus and Cassander versus Antigonus and Demetrius. So you've got three on two. Now on the morning of the battle, Antigonus, who was now 80 years old. <laughs> Fell on his face when he went outside of his tent, <laughs> which is just a great way to, to start the morning of a battle. And then uh, he but also. So I, 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 I hate to interrupt. He was 80? Yes, he was 80 years old. <laughs> I didn't think people could live that long back then. What? I know. It's insane. That's incredible. Not to, not to mention he's just fighting every single day. Like it's, Yeah, it's... people must have thought he was like. He was like a god or something to have lived that long. Like that's like three lifetimes back then. Yeah, it's crazy. So then, um, so after after he fell on his face, uh, he then prayed aloud for the gods to kill him rather than to suffer a defeat, <laughs> which it, it must have been just very comforting for his own soldiers, like to yeah. hear them just He'd rather god. die right now than lose. They're like, uh, oh, okay, all right. That's 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 one way to be confident before a battle. Yeah, th- uh, thanks, boss. <laughs> appreciate the, the vote of confidence. But uh, so the Allies had uh, sixty-four thousand infantry, ten thousand five hundred cavalry, and four hundred war elephants, as well as one hundred scythed chariots. So like these chariots have like blades that are like sticking out from the spokes. So as they're just like this really brutal weapon, because as they just charge it through the infantry, there's lopping off people's ankles just like you know Jesus constantly Christ. yeah and then uh so uh they have 100 of those while antigonus and demetrius brought seventy thousand infantry ten thousand horsemen and 75 elephants 
So by far, uh, the allies have the advantage uh, having 400 war elephants versus 75 for Antigonus and Demetrius. So uh, Lysimachus put 100 elephants in the center in front of the phalanx infantry, while Antigonus responded by doing the same. Meanwhile, Seleucus held 300 elephants in reserve. Uh, Demetrius then ended up opening the battle by leading a heavy cavalry charge on the right, destroying Seleucus's left flank. So this allowed his cavalry to get behind Seleucus's infantry, but Seleucus outflanked his cavalry with the 300 elephants he held in reserve. So this is yeah, a lot of the elephants are being used as like reserve forces to kind of like put in different sections of the battlefield to kind of like plug holes and assist troops where needed. So uh, while Antigonus and Lysimachus slowed it out in the center with their elephants, Demetrius tried to find uh, a way around Seleucus' elephants. So then Seleucus got behind Antigonus' infantry with his cavalry. So Seleucus offered Antigonus' infantry an honorable surrender, and many ended up laying down their arms. So Antigonus himself, despite his troops' pleas, would not surrender and kept crying out, Demetrius will come save me! So do you think Demetrius was going to save him? Uh, no, I, I sense betrayal number four coming on. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's a betrayal by pointy sticks, because he took several javelins to the chest. Oh, okay, yeah, that's definitely not being saved. No, not at all. So that, that, is, that is, in fact, you might say that's the opposite of being saved by Demetrius. Yeah, that is, yeah, yeah that's murder. So what, what do you think Demetrius did then? Uh, was he also murdered by Pointy Stick? Uh, not yet, actually. So he then, Demetrius managed to escape to his fleet and return to Greece. Uh, so the elephants in this battle were the decisive factor, stopping Demetrius' attack and keeping him from giving aid to his father. So, uh, war elephants, uh, I should also mention that, uh, I think I forgot to mention that Demetrius was Antigonus' son as well. Uh. So, uh. So yeah, so war elephants hastened the demise of cavalry formations, as horses usually ran scared from the elephants. Uh, so they were commonly used uh, as a variety of tactics, uh, or for a variety of tactics, including surprise attacks and encirclement. So Seleucus will become very famous after this battle. Uh, thereafter, Seleucus was known as the Elephant King. So, and that is where we're going to go ahead and end off this episode. So what did you think of the uh, successor wars, Liam? I mean, I think it's kind of incredible that, like, I didn't realize that throughout history we've had, like, tank equivalents long before somebody even thought about putting a gun on motorized tracks. And, like, like chariots was first, and, like, it was cavalry before that, and now somebody's like, hey, that's a really big land animal. Really heavy, too. Yeah. Can we, can we use that to kill people? Let's <laughs> Pretty much, kill yeah. People. They've got thick skins, they're big and tall, they can, like, you know, there's accounts of them, like, pick, literally picking up men with their trunks and then, like, flinging them across the battlefield, so I, um, I also, I remember recently seeing, there's a video of a, uh, of an elephant, I think his name is Ramchan, who's living in India right now, he's used for, like, a bunch of different festivals out there, he's the tallest recorded Asian elephant, he had, like, 12 feet tall. And you just, you see this guy, like, compare him to, like, a regular person, and you just, like, see how massive his tusks are and how big he is. And you're just like, Jesus, fuck. I just think, how did anybody fight against these creatures? Yeah, how, how did anybody actually survive these guys? But it's That's also incredible. interesting, though, when you read about how they're able to, like, counteract them using things like, you know, like, you know, ship, you know, you know like, throwing javelins at their eyes or aiming for their mounts and everything. And, like, you know, you also realize they're just animals, you know, and they have, you know, like, 
you know, they have feelings and everything and they can be ex exploited just as well as, you know, any other person or other animal on the battlefield. So it's a, it's, it's very fascinating. Of course, you also feel sorry about the elephants too, because they didn't ask for any of this. Yeah, no, they do not want to be there. Yeah. But, uh, so we're going to go ahead and pick up and uh, next time and talk more about the history of war elephants. If you like the podcast, go ahead and, uh, Look us up on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, uh, wherever else you find your podcasts. Go look us up on Patreon as well. If you join for only $3 a month, you get uh, access to bonus contents as well as Discord and the uh, and early, early access to episodes. So uh, until next time, uh, take care, guys. Bye, everyone.